0: my phone screen with this chicken, trying to get it to stop. Sorry, chicken. All right, hey everyone, welcome back. Day 89.
1: Eric had a 1989...
0: Buick Regal Grand Sport. Yep. Yep. And it was a piece of work. The engine (laughs) fell out of it while I was driving it. Yeah. Needed a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah, then it was just a piece of steel. (laughs) All right, hey, we're going to get into the reading today.
1: Eric, today we're going to read First Samuel, Samuel. First Samuel. Well, yeah. Sometimes I like, <laughs> First... to it, like to call like to call him that. Oh, Shammy! First Samuel, oh. chapter fifteen through eighteen, verse five.
0: Okay. Okay. So we're going to read today. Glad Sammy could be here today. Hmm. Old oh, Samuel. Mm-hmm. One day Samuel said to Saul. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I'm done with that. Okay. okay. One day Samuel said to Saul. It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nations of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So Saul mobilized his army at Talaim. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Kenites. Move away from where the Amalekites live or you will die with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites packed up and left. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way up to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this... When he heard this, that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. <laughs> oh, gosh. Then went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Then what's all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle, I hear? Saul demanded. Well, it's true. The army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted. But they are going to... They are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We've destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop! Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked. And Samuel told him, Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, Go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, and I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen. Listen. Obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. So, because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king.
1: Then Saul admitted to Samuel, Yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command. For I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. But now, please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel replied, I will not go back with you. Since you've rejected the Lord's command, he has rejected you as king of Israel. As Samuel turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back and tore him out of his robe. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to somebody else, one who is better than you. And he who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind, for he is not human, that he should change his mind. Then Saul pleaded again, I know I have sinned, but please, at least, honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel... By coming back with me, so I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel finally agreed and went back with him, and Saul worshipped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring king Agag to me. Agag arrived full of hope, for he thought, Surely the worst is over, and I have been spared. But Samuel said, As your, word, as your sword has killed the sons of many mothers, now your mother will be childless. And Samuel cut Agag to pieces before the Lord of Gilgal. Oof. Then Samuel went home to Ramah, and Saul returned to his house at Gibeah of Saul. Samuel never went to meet with Saul again, but he mourned constantly for him, and the Lord was sorry that he ever made Saul king of Israel.
0: Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, This is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimei. But Samuel said, Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? "There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, This is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music, and you will, be, you will soon be well again. All right, said Saul, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, Send me your son David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul, along with a young goat and a donkey, loaded with bread and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor-bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, asking, Please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away.
1: The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Succo in Judah and Azekah at Ephes Damim, Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to, be face, to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, Hmm. tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor-bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Goliath stood, and he shouted, a taunt across to the Israelites, Why are you all coming out to fight? He called, I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him... You will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now David was the son of of man of a man named Jesse in Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at the time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shimei, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champions strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and sent out early the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him and began to run away in fright, have you seen this giant, the men asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. Well, David asked the soldier standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway, that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is a reward for killing him. But when David's oldest uh, oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep? that you're supposed to be taken care of. I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way that you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war
0: since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel." And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from Sharaim as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the Israelite army returned and plundered the deserted Philistine camp. David took the Philistine's head to Jerusalem, but he stored the man's armor in his own tent. As Saul watched David go out to fight the Philistine, he asked Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this young man? I really don't know, Abner declared. Well, find out who he is, the king told him. As soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. Tell me about your father, young man, Saul Saul said, and David replied, his name is Jesse and we live in Bethlehem.
1: After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. All right. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah. A classic story in there, David and Goliath.
0: I had never heard of it before. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. Woo-hoo. No, that is a good story. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So, having read that story and others, what was this passage telling us about God?
1: Yeah. Uh, I saw you
0: scribbling over there. You got lot A lot of scribbling. Yeah, yeah, you got a
1: lot. Yeah, these, uh, trying to choose which one. I think I can make one into the other. So I'm going to say this. God will not be defied. Okay? God will not be defied. And that was applied specifically with, with the Philistines. You have this, this champion of Gath, um, Goliath, you know, intimidating, defying. Um, and so God gets the last word. You know, he, David, who has a heart for God, Um, and that bothered him, you know, that he was defying the armies of Israel, the armies of God. And so God will not be defied. God will always win. Um, And so with that said, I will also say that um, just because God uh, anointed him, Saul, as king doesn't mean he can't reject him. Mm -hmm. And so God did anoint him. He had the anointing from Mm -hmm. God. I mean, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. But yet Saul, in a way, kind of, defied God, you know, and so God had to then reject him because of his defiance. Yeah. And so those kind of go hand-to-hand in what it tells us about God. And in uh, just, um, yeah,
0: kind of what I thought about. Yeah, I like how these two stories kind of compare these two characters, right, where you've got Saul in comparison to David. You know, we're going to see that parallel, but this is kind of where it starts. And, um, you know, speaking of God being defied, I mean, Saul Saul defied God too. I mean, Goliath's out there defying God, but Saul also defied, yeah. defied God by, and you know that, by not, you know, killing all the animals of the Amalekites and keeping King Agag and all that stuff. And, yeah, I just think that, you know, you compare the two. Saul hid behind religious practice, and he said, okay, I'm going to, You know, um, I I brought these to sacrifice them, right? Whether he's telling the truth or not, Samuel's not interested. Samuel doesn't say, no, you're lying. You were just keeping this stuff. He says, it doesn't matter. God's not interested in your sacrifice if you're not going to be obedient. And the way that we could look at that today is God is not interested in your religion, in your your religious practices, whether you're listening to Chip and Eric every day, reading your Bible every day. He's not interested in doing that if you're not going to live an obedient life. He's not interested in you being in church every Sunday if you're not going to live an obedient life. He is not interested in your religion. Mm-hmm. He is interested in your obedience, in your reverence for God. And so we see that, and then we see it play out with David, right? He walks out there in obedience. He walks out there in, in this confidence that God is who he says he is. And so what I would say this tells us about us is that, uh, you know, we can try to hide behind our religion um, our religious practices, if you want to call it that, or wh- whatever. We can try to hide behind the tradition, the rhetoric. We can try to hide behind the, the uh, sort of system or the actions that we go through, the motions we go through. But God knows the heart. And if we're not going to be obedient outside of those things, then God's not interested, right? What's more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Obedience is better than sacrifice, Submissions better than offering the fat of rams. God wants our hearts, and he wants us to live out our, um, our true relationship with him outside mm-hmm. of our religion. So,
1: so yeah. God will not be defied, mm-hmm. and we need to be obedient. Yeah. What, what do we do
0: with it? Well, I think one thing is this, to recognize first that you can still be defying God, even if you're going through all the right motions. Mm. You know, and we see as much in Matthew chapter seven, when Jesus Mm. is predicting that people would say, well, didn't we cast out demons in your name? And didn't we do this in your name? You know, they went through the motions. They knew the words. Sure. But he says, I never knew you. Mm. And so I think that the first thing we need to do is recognize that just because we're going through the motions does not mean that we are being obedient. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I guess compare our actions with God's word to make sure it's obedient.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, in our hearts, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, you know, you can you can do these actions, um, and have the wrong heart. You totally mm-hmm. can, mm-hmm. and I think God is very interested in this. That's why He says submission is better than offering, mm-hmm. right? Submission is something that doesn't happen outside; it's something that happens inside. So I just think that you know God won't be defied outwardly. Like He won't be defied with your disobedience, there is a cost there, mm-hmm. but I think also he won't be defied internally either. Mm. You know, he's not going to bless your life um, or your ministry or give you these opportunities to to live out the spirit. And I'm not talking about wealth or any of that, so I'm not saying that. I'm not saying life's gonna be easy if you submit to God, but he's not. it's not going to be blessed mm-hmm. if you don't submit to God. Hmm.
1: Okay. Wow.
0: That's
1: good. Yeah. Very Thank
0: good. You. You. Well, good we stuff. are proud of you guys. Yeah,
1: good stuff everybody.
0: Lots of fun. Yeah. Um, I do so love the story of David and Goliath. I also love, man, It. I picked up on this pretty recently, maybe in the fall when I was rereading this. He just walks around with this guy's head. Yeah. He's just strolling around. And sure. a nine-foot-tall person's going to have a big head. You know, he's just walking around with his big old head. He literally had a big head. It did... He did. He was very arrogant. Yes. But, you know, that wasn't fitting in his shepherd's bag. Yeah, no. So he's just walking <laughs> oh, around
1: with it. Well, David, what you got there, eh? he's, he's doing this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, you little don't even puppet. see my mouth little moving.
0: Little oh, look at me. I'm Goliath. <laughs> wow. Are, am I a dog? Talk <laughs> about life,
1: size. Life like, man. <laughs> who's talking now
0: you come at me with a stick oh my (laughs) lord
1: they probably had a lot of fun around the campfire with that
0: yeah they did Uh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right Uh, well that's a good note to end on keep reading the bible yeah stay on your knees in his word do it all for him yep have a great day bye